Hello and welcome back to the final episode of Season 3 of the Relationship Matters podcast. We believe relationship matters from humanity to nature to the larger whole. In the final episode of Season 3, I'm excited to share a conversation between Faith Fuller and Yuri Murakawa. Faith Fuller, co-founder of CRR Global and Yuri Murakawa, founder of CRR Japan, have an international friendship and creative partnership that spans over 12 years. In this podcast, they share a topic that is close to their hearts and one that has been evolving across their conversations for many years, the evolution of women's leadership. Across the episode, they discuss the triple goddess archetype, maiden mother crone, as a framework for understanding the evolution of women's leadership, how they have evolved as leaders in their work and lives, the unique qualities women bring to leadership, and what we might embrace from the different life stages. So without further ado, I bring you the wonderful Faith Fuller and Yuri Murakawa. Yuri, Faith, I'm absolutely delighted to have you both on the show. Welcome to the Relationship Matters podcast. Delighted to be here. Thank you, Katie, for having us. And I'm very excited about this topic today. I'm not sure where we're going to go, but I know that <laughs> the theme is evolution of women's leadership. Yes. So I'm wondering if you could start with why this topic and, and why now? <laughs> start us out, Yuri. <laughs> well, first of all, this is not scientific. <laughs> this is not the research-based <laughs> yes. However, this is the topic that Faith and I have been very passionate about while we are working together since 2009. Is that right, Faith? Yeah, I think so. A long time. And then and we should say that we have been good friends and colleagues for, you know, since 2009. And one of the topics we have often come back to is different forms of women leadership. And so we wanted to just share some of our musings and thoughts about it. But as Yuri said, this is not a research-based thing and it's not a training. It is two women uh, who've worked with leadership for a long time riffing about what, uh, how women are different in terms of their leadership. Mm -hmm. And one of the things is along these 12 years, let's say 12 years, that both of us have been the witness for each other that how we have been evolved in our life and also how we show up as a lead, woman leaders. Yes. So in a way that we are living sample and we are hoping that this can give some thoughts or empowerment for a lot of audience today. Wow. Yeah. And uh, you know what I'm just noticing is I think it's only been, you know, fairly in that, well, not that soon, but since about 2009 that I even thought about Women leadership, you know, I, I think there's just a sense of there's leadership. And as a woman trying to find my own leadership, I didn't think about feminine leadership or masculine leadership until more recently. And that's partly why this conversation, I think, was fascinating to us. It's like, well, are there male leadership qualities as well as female? Undoubtedly, I'm sure this is going to be from our playful exploration but for women, but I do think that there are corollary concepts as we go through or some of our concepts that would be just as applicable for how is male leadership uniquely different? Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. 
So this tracks both your own observations in terms of the clients you've been working with and also personally in yourselves and each other, your leadership journeys. Absolutely. Yes. And I, I think Yuri and I, when we were trying to you know, talk about this, uh, getting ready to do this podcast, um, Yuri, do you feel ready to talk about the, the model? Sure. So when we think about women's leadership and a woman is, you know, naturally relational and uh, we create relationship and then empowering each other from heart and emotions. Yes. And uh, we find that along with our evolution as women, and there is particular power that we bring in to the world. Well said. Well said. And I think, you know, it's so interesting for me right now is that we're working with a lot of agile coaches and many agile coaches, not by no means, not all, but many are male. Mm. And there seems to be this marriage beginning to happen between agile coaching and ORS coaching and a hunger for, I've had many agile coaches say that the relational aspect of ORS is like a natural complement to the structures of agile And so I think there is a hunger for that relational, more heart-based approach that, after all, Orsco is developed by two women. Uh (laughs) So I think there's, I don't think that's a mistake. And I've been very hesitant to own it. But I think that there's, there's a certain truth to the fact that that relational interest and that heart-based emotional comfort is pretty uniquely about women. Not that it isn't about men, yes but uh, more so women. And in the playing with this, we were reminded of a model that is ancient. Um, In fact, it's called the the tripartite goddess. And many women are going to know this model, especially if they're feminist, but we don't use it as a model for, for power much. But Basically, the, this is an ancient, goes all the way back to uh, the Wiccan days and neo-paganism now. And it looks at three phases of power for women. And the first one's the maiden. Mm-hmm. So maiden power is uh, something like a young woman brings. Like uh, you so there is a power of youth and natural beauty and power of sexuality. Yeah. And that involves innocence and maybe naive, you know, being naive. However, once the woman's dreaming and hope for it, and that power cast it onto the space. Yeah. Another way I think about it is that maiden power is often really based, body-based, in the sense of youth, uh, vigor, Uh, beauty. Also, I really want to mention this because I think the power of sexuality is something that women have almost tried to hide as we got competitive, you know, in entering the workspace and the professional space. But frankly, I think to deny the power of sexuality, particularly for women who I think have often used that power because they didn't have other kinds of power at the time. So to own your sexual power as a woman, you're capacity to flirt with a room, to seduce somebody into a situation is a form of power that shouldn't be denied or be ashamed of. That's a very good point, Faith, because I myself had a huge edge of bringing this maiden power as a professional. However, uh, until Faith pointed out, uh, I never realized that how much I use that maiden power as a woman's leadership in the uh, workshop spaces. 
that when you know we introduce ORSC and we you know enroll people into you know playing together and actually uh, being experiential learning and I realized that I actually you know looking at looking into eyes and being playful and sometimes grab people into work so those kind of physicality and make this you know the space alive and playful and energetic and faith pointed out and that is maiden power yes and i use a lot of it yeah the maiden has the power of seduction of pulling in it, seduction not in a in a crude sexual sense but seduction in the sense of enrolling of coaxing you over an edge of kissing you over the edge that we talk about in Orskalad. And maidens know how to use their physicality and their flirtatiousness for, it's, you know, it's not about manipulation. It's about invitation. Ooh. Maiden is a lot about, I think, the capacity to invite others in, in a non-threatening way, often. <laughs> That's so interesting. When you mentioned initially the power of sexuality, I was on an edge because that feels like something that is something that you maybe shouldn't use, particularly if you're thinking leadership. Right. But the way you just described it is so different. It's like a charismatic sort of way of being, particularly if we're leading a room that does sort of bring in that sort of flirtatious, energetic eye contact. And so it's a different way of thinking about what that power can mean, I think. Mm -hmm. So thank you for opening my eyes to that. Yeah. Yeah, and just realizing that we, in the ORSC program, that we teach that once you have, it's a rank and privilege, it's a privilege of have been a woman and, you know, own it and use it intentionally. Yes. So that's something that it relates to all the, the power that we're going to mention from now on. Yeah, I think you're really right, both of you. I had a huge edge against that as well, but I actually had a great conversation with a friend of mine who's a, who's a leader and he was saying, you know, I don't understand it. Women have this power of the flirt, you know, of the seduction, no, take it out of the context of sex, but into the context of drawing in. And he says, it's a huge power and women, nobody ever owns it, mm. you know. Mm. And I think that's because in part, women had to rely on sex. And I'm talking sex here as sometimes the only power they had before we had any kind of hierarchical power. Mm -hmm. um, that was the backdoor road for sometimes that women could use both for manipulation and for good. But I do think we need to own it as women that we have, a, it's a potent power. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I just want to add a quality. Uh, it's not only, you know, the sexuality, but also it's uh, the power of risk-taking mm. as well. Yes. Enrolling people and bringing people cross over the edge. Yes. I think that's part of the maiden power. Well said. Well said. So that's maiden power. And then uh, the next part of leadership, the next sort of phase that many women go into, and this is not literal, by the way, but it's mother power. And we don't mean that literally you have to be a mother. Mm. It's a natural quality that women grow into as they get a little older. And uh, women, a mother power is familiar to most, most of us. It is the power of uh, nurturing the other, of service, of serving what is needed in the moment. Um, mother power is a warm, nurturing, accommodating, low ego, 
and uh, very much wanting to bring others along and bring others up in the world. Yeah, I think the mother, you know, mother power is something that it's not necessarily, you know, the leader do something for them. It's more of creating the space and welcoming the people to contribute and mother power is there to hold. Mm. Yes, that's great. Mother power hold is a holding energy, holding the space, yeah. the container. And at the same time, I we think that there's a lot of consensus reality as well that we just do it mm. whatever it's needed there. Yeah. It's not that um, so it's doing for others. It's serving for others. Yeah. And it's a lot consensus reality. There's, there's an endless task of things that mothers need to do. <laughs> and I'm not talking about literal mothers, although that's true. But, you know, if, if you are in mother mode within a team, you're really scanning. What does the team need? You will step in to do what isn't covered. You know, uh, what needs to be, whatever needs to be done, you do it because you step up for service. Mm-hmm. Service is a primary, I think, motivator from the mother energy. Mm -hmm. And Faith, you have a lot of it, right? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if it's fair to bring Marita in, but both of you that having so much, uh, you know, when you created CR and this concept and making the birth to this program, I noticed that you did so much consensus reality, of course, dreaming in essence, but made it happen. And that come a lot coming from mother power. <laughs> That's true. I, I have the wrinkles to show for it. <laughs> Mothers work hard. Yeah, for others and for the future generation. Yes. Also, that includes uh, the raising others. Yes. It's uh, really setting the boundaries and within that boundaries and giving protection and opportunity for uh, growth. Well said. You know, I'm just aware as we speak of it, that anytime you are creating a project, you know, or creating a company or creating, uh, that is mother power. You, you know, you don't have to be a female to do it, but you are birthing something into the world and you are protective of it and you nurture it along and you get what it needs, have it grow and evolve. You could also potentially, father power is also very potent and similar, but slightly different, I think. Yeah. I'm wondering, I know you're both mothers in the literal sense. How did that impact this phase of women's leadership for you both? Did you feel like when you became a literal mother, it impacted your mother power in the wider sense? Yeah, I think the the primary thing for me when you're coming from mother power is um, it's not egotistical. You are serving something. It could be another person in a literal mother, a baby, or you could be serving a project or a company or somebody who is sick and needs caring for, or it, for me, the experience of mothering something is when you put your own needs, not, not aside, it's not about becoming a victim, but it's about putting the, the care and nurturing of another thing or person at least equal, and sometimes ahead of your own needs, sometimes. Mm. I cannot agree with with you more what you have just said. Yes, both Faith and I are mothers, and that naturally make us, uh, at least for me, that bringing this mother power, it's a most comfortable and a favorite role in the life. I noticed that it's socially uh, most accepted and in a way respected and admired role. Hmm. Women are, yeah, women are empowered in the mother role around the world. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So I noticed that I myself 
might have been overused this mother power. Mm. And it's not only the positive side, it's also have something that did not work well, I noticed. Mm -hmm. Because I overused, I sometimes notice that I've been too protective about the system that I'm working with and creating a limitation because I didn't want to uh, see that too much risk happening in you know in the space to the baby <laughs> to my babies right to our babies yeah 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 so sometimes i realize that i stopping the some kind of recklessness or some huge innovation with the risk and i stopped it so i realized that it's probably it's because uh, having that you know experience of being a real mother and connecting too much bringing that overuse of that power. That's a really good point. Mm. And I've gotten into trouble with that role because quite literally, you know, as a professional woman, first becoming a psychologist and then, you know, building a company and and so on, I had competition between my mother roles. Mm. My daughter sometimes felt like she got, you know, came behind whatever big initiative I was doing, you know, so she often sort of felt like that she came in second to my, uh, you know, professional ambition. And there's some truth to that. There's advantages and disadvantages to professional women. You know, now that she's older, she deeply appreciates the model of a professional woman who also was a mother. But when they're little and, you know, something is going on and you still have to go and work with that team and your kid is sick, hmm. you feel guilty. They feel abandoned. It's not easy. It's just not easy. The tensions between different kinds of mothers that are needed. Mm. That's such a good point. I didn't think about the flip side to all of these. And I imagine as well, staying too much in that mother space, you might abandon your own needs. Yes, mm -hmm. absolutely. Yes, that applies to me too. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I think any woman who's a professional woman and has a family has struggled with this issue, Yes, you know, and usually you can wear yourself out trying to cover all the bases. I wouldn't do anything else, but you can wear yourself out trying to cover all the, all the bases. And what do you think, Yuri? Are we ready to go on to, to my personal favorites? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Our fascination to introduce Chrome Power. Yeah. <laughs> Crone power is my personal favorite, probably because I'm living it. And also because I have a deeply held belief, actually, that many women, you know, it's often said, and this is a gross overgeneralization, but many men peak in their 40s, you know, that they often hit their power in their 40s. But I think many women don't hit their real power in the world until they become menopausal. And it's almost as, as we step literally, physically in the body away from the generativity of babies, so to speak, it frees women up to turn their energy, their focus and their power to something different. Mm. So the crone is known for moving out of so much of the nurturing, protective uh, energy. And instead, the crone turns towards her new allegiance, which is to the truth, to speaking the truth. Yes. I want to um, give you the story that uh, when first Faith and I started uh, discussing about crone power, when in, I think, 2011, 12, somewhere around there, and when we, I started out CR Japan and Faith and Marita and uh, supported us to really develop the market and this business. And when we were walking on the street 
And there's a tiny old lady coming toward us. And she was old Japanese lady. Her, you know, back is bent and she had a stick. Big stick. <laughs> <laughs> Big stick. With support helping her walking. And she came toward and in a way that we said, oh, we need to create the space for her, right? But she didn't need that kind of sympathy or support. <laughs> she just ran, you know, winging her stick and creating <laughs> her space and get away, get away from my way. And, you know, man and bicycle and, you know, very crowded, narrow street in, you know, in Japan. And they created a space for her. And she just walked in the middle of the street. No problem, you know. <laughs> and we had, you know, our, you know, mouth wide open and looking at her and Faith said, wow, this is a crone power. Yeah. The crone uh, is no longer worries about, she doesn't have the concerns of the maiden in terms of uh, needing to access beauty, physicality, sexuality. And she's done, really done with mothering often. <laughs> it's not that she never does mothering anymore, but she's, it's like, there's a sense of been there, done that, you know? Mm -hmm. The crone, it comes into her own power and her, the power of what it is that she's choosing to serve. Yeah. And it is often a larger perspective than just, you know, that the mother is dealing with her local family, her tribe, so to speak. And, uh, but the crone is really opens up to speaking truth to power, to saying how she sees it. She isn't afraid of what others think of her. And so she has high authenticity and integrity in who she is. And her job is to speak the truth as she sees it and not worry about what others feel about her. I always want to grow up to be an old Japanese woman. And I'm telling you, these old Japanese ladies are formidable. I, you know, I went to, I was in Hawaii once when they were having a, ma a marathon and all these Japanese people were there doing the marathon and they had one contingent of Japanese little old ladies who were going to do the whole marathon with their walking sticks. They were going to walk it but they were going to do the whole thing. And they were there in the park doing their, their exercises and, you know, and they stumped along, they did all 26 miles. I mean, wow. they were impressive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And a lot of time that I am at the early fifties now, and I think I am on the process of learning about this Chrome power. And I sometimes had a fear about what I'm going to lose, right? Yes. Maybe the, you know, losing the beauty or losing the youth or losing, uh, I don't know, attention from others or, you know, all that. However, uh, Faith always says, well, welcome to 50s, you know, <laughs> 50s, 60s. That's the best <laughs> Slide. So being encouraged by uh, the, you know, bigger sisters. <laughs> Love that. Yeah. And really empowered. So those of you out there who are, are looking in your mirror and really worried about your little nanny hairs that are starting to appear in your 50s and going, oh my God, I'm going to grow a beard. It's like celebrate your nanny hairs. They're part of your croning. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I guess I'm wondering with this crone power, the first thing that came to mind when you started to describe it is it feels so freeing mm. and powerful and yet 
I fear that a lot of women don't get there because of the priorities that are placed often on women in terms of looking a certain way and being a certain way. And I know people who fight to stay in the maiden and the mother. Yes. Then there's this whole piece, this whole power that's being lost. And so I'm just wondering your thoughts around that because it's it seems more prevalent for women. I know men have their own <laughs> aging issues, but you, you don't see so many grey-haired women on the TV as you do bald men. And you know, there's something around that that makes me worried that many of us might miss crone power because of this. Yes. Well, what I want to say to that is, again, I've learned from the Japanese, you know, and this is, again, forgive me, it's a gross overgeneralization, but in Japan, your sort of average family in Japan is more uh, gender specific, I would say. Yuri, is that fair? Uh The mother has a very strong role in the family, very powerful role there. She often, you know, the the father is the provider and the mother sort of rules the roost with the family. Uh, But when she crones and she often puts up with a lot because that's her role. But there's a lot of, you know, fearsome older Japanese women who sort of feel like, okay, kids are all grown up. I did a good job out of the house. I'm not going to cook for you anymore. When you come home, I'm tired of doing that. You know, I want to go have adventures with my friends now. So you need to deal with yourself. I'm not getting a divorce, but I'm going to go live my own life somewhat. And, uh, you know, you've you've told me about that, Yuri. Mm -hmm. We have a word for it. We say it's a obasan power. Obasan. 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 Elderly woman power. And it really resonates with the chrome power. It's uh, freeing and it's respected. Of course, it's uh, used in a you know negative tone, like losing that maiden beauty. Yes. However, uh, there is certain respect for that status of you know woman's life that you know completing done with the you know quote unquote woman work you know traditionally given that woman's inner role and outer role. So uh, this obasan power, chrome power actually is the protector for being the freedom. I think in this uh, Japanese society, I think most powerful energy now is obasan power. Mm. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I, Katie, you're bringing up a really important point though, is that I think that is revered. I think there's a sense of how older people are more revered in the Asia Pacific cultures, you know, true in China, it's true in Japan. I think it's true in Singapore. The older are respected for their wisdom or their experience. The West, of course, has much of that. But I think women have been trapped a lot in the West in maiden and mother. Mm. And there aren't a lot of roles that that's changing. You know, now that we have women in government now, you know, like uh, Kamala Harris and, you know, and, and Jill Biden, you know, and so on, women who have their own careers, their own power and their own freedom to speak. I, I think that is changing. But I think... It hasn't been acknowledged officially in Western culture nearly as much as it has been in Asia Pacific cultures. And it does feel like a very freeing place to get to. I was just thinking about my mother. And after I finished university, I went to the Philippines to volunteer for three months. And I remember my mother saying, I want to do something like that. And I was like, well, just do it. You're a nurse. You could go anywhere. Mm. And so then the next year, my mum goes to the Philippines to volunteer. The year after she goes to Laos. The year after that, she goes to Colombia. The year after that, she goes to Costa Rica. And she she works as a nurse all around the world. And then my, my dad will visit her for a holiday at the end of her six 
weeks, two months. But it's like she's sort of got this space, this freedom in her life that she didn't have before. And mm-hmm. I remember just thinking that was so inspiring because it was like this new chapter, but she didn't see it as sort of a, oh, what's been lost? You know, the kids growing up. It was more like what's possible. And I just think it was magical to see. <laughs> Mm. Yeah, you know, my own mother went through a very difficult menopause because that was back, you know, in the 50s, 60s, you know, when women weren't, didn't have as much empowerment as they do today. And she was a very beautiful woman and she struggled a lot with the loss of her of her beauty. But also she didn't have a thing, you know, she didn't have anything to do once her kids grew up. She had four kids. So that lasted a long time. Um, but she had to refine herself and she ended up going into prisons in Litchfield County and teaching convicts to read. Now, I, that is pretty ballsy to do when you're in your 60s and 70s. She was marching into the prisons and teaching classes, helping them become literate. And it's like, go mama, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but it took her a while to, to find it. It takes time for women to shed the mother role. And I, I just want to speak also is that I am shedding the mother role somewhat around CRR Global for me in the sense of I'm no longer wanting to do the day-to-day consensus reality details of administrating the company. I want to find the truth in the work, you know, and work in broader areas. Uh, So I think there is a a shift and a letting go of old role and a need to step into the new that is true also professionally for women as part of their crony. What's the real mission now that you're older? Let's suppose you use your death as a, as a sense of something that uh, makes you serious about, I have, I'm limited in my time. What's really important for me for my next 20 years, say mm. 30 years, mom, you know, 25, 30 years, whatever it is, what's really important now. Um, I've done the mothering. I've done uh, the young woman phase and loved them and they have informed me and they live inside me. But what, what is really meaningful now for the, the last third of my life? Thank you for saying that, Faith. It's uh, it's really uh, about evolution mm. from woman to real, you know, deep humanity. Tap into the real deep humanity and truth of it. True, I, I love that. In fact, the crone is not so much even attached anymore to womanhood. She is human. Mm. She, her her focus is the human. Well said. I'm wondering how can we help each other feel empowered in leadership? Because it can be hard, particularly if you're working in an organization where it's male dominated, it can often feel like you're competing against the other female leader. So how can we help each other to sort of feel empowered perhaps in these different roles? Oh, great question. I want to share one story, what I have experienced actually with Faith. That was, I think, back in 2008 or nine, somewhere around there. And I was a CTI leader at that time. And there was a big event in US and like hundreds of leaders coming from all over the world. And there were some big event happening. And that was the first time I went there and I had opportunity to, I wanted to say something in the big crowd, but you know, I'm small and I'm tiny and I wasn't uh, self-confident. So my voice was small and I speak up and other people speak over. And then I speak up. Then other people speak over. And that time, Faith was there. And one word you said, Faith, Yuri, I'm listening. I'm listening. I'm listening. And everybody stopped speaking the moment. 
I don't know, all of the sudden there were space happened and I could speak up what I needed to say. And for me, it was very gentle and the word was very simple, but that was a huge uh, woman power, woman leadership presented. Mm. Maybe that was partially uh, mother power, but uh, a lot, crone power, <laughs> not caring about others, but saying, I'm listening. And I still remember how much I was empowered and uh, how much I felt proud of, you know, being the leader, being Asian and being woman. And so answering to your question, Katie, I think we can empower so many ways, but uh, really, you know, listening and also sometimes just be there and be the listener, be the uh, witness mm. and highlight that leadership is showing up from that person. Mm. Well, thank you, Yuri, for that. And, you know, extrapolating from that, I think it's really, really useful for women to find woman mentors mm. at, at all ages. Yuri, you know, you're not all that old, but you've been mentoring since you were 20. <laughs> you know, there is something about, I think women need to, I think we're in the beginning of a revolution of what, it, what women's power really is. And Katie, I think that sense of that women often get into a competitive situation with other women, like there's not going to be enough to go around. So women need to fight against each other. Mm. It's profoundly sad. Women need to empower each other. So if you're a young woman, find the women you admire. It could be your mother. It could be somebody in a different who's found her way in a different profession or in your own profession. Somebody you can just talk to who knows who you are and is willing to appreciates who you are. Somebody who appreciates and gets you. Somebody who gets you is so empowering because women need to find amongst themselves. We don't need to pick up hundred percent of male power. We need to pick up some of that because it informs us. Male power informs us and empowers us differently. We also need to find our own way. And I sometimes think that CRR Global has struggled with, we're trying to do right relationship. What does that mean when you're running a company and somebody isn't measuring up? You know, what does that mean when, uh, when a partner can't pay their bills to us? What does that mean when? What does that mean when? How do you put right relationship ahead of always the, the highest financial good? And we would probably be a whole lot richer as a company if we had been uh, better around the bottom line. But I wouldn't trade in for anything um, the experiences we had of, of helping tide people over in a difficult space and about how we try hard not to sever a relationship, even when there's been a bad ending. But how do we make peace and often recycle that person back in in a different way? So I think women's power is hitting its stride, beginning to. And we need more of that. So mm. don't assume you have to line up in the old way. Talk to more women about what's the new way. And I would love to see more of that. I love that. I think what's been fascinating about this conversation is it's about women's leadership. And I always think about how history is written by the victors. And that might be, depending on the race, gender, class. And I think about how leadership has quite typically been sort of coloured by how, how men fill that role of leadership and I think it's important now we start to write a different narrative, one that works for women. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I agree. I think, uh, you know, in China, they say women hold up half the sky. <laughs> and yet I don't think women have had the chance to hold up half the power sky. 
So uh, let women hold up half the power side, but we need to know what that means. Mm-hmm. We can we can be you know unapologetically woman's life. <laughs> yes, <laughs> we have been uh, apologetic for so long, <laughs> yes. and we don't have to be. And really own it, really own it, and use it intentionally. Thank you both so much. You have such. A strong third entity, the two of you, and I'm feeling so empowered here. So I cannot wait to share this with the world. (laughs) This is such an important conversation. And thank you for colouring in what women's leadership can look like for me. I hugely appreciate it. Thank you. It was great fun. Thank you, Yuri. Yes, it was so much fun. Thank you. Thank you, Katie. Thank you, Faith. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks to Faith Fuller and Yuri Murakawa for that beautiful discussion. As Faith and Yuri mentioned at the start of the podcast, this view of women's leadership comes from their own personal experiences and leadership journeys. Across the episode, they use the triple goddess archetype Maiden Mother Crone as a framework for understanding the evolution of women's leadership. Here are my key takeaways from their discussion. Maiden power characteristics include youth, natural beauty, playfulness, sexuality, innocence, naivety, dreaming, energetic, risk-taking, and hopefulness. Mother power characteristics include empathetic understanding, selflessness, holding space, raising others, setting boundaries, giving protection, and creating opportunity for growth. And crone power characteristics include directness, wisdom, greater freedom, compassion, guiding others, reflection, self-examination, and forgiveness. Mother power is the most accepted, respected, and admired role in society in general. As a result, this can lead to us overusing mother power, perhaps by being too protective and creating limitations for others, to use Yuri's example from the episode. Creating more awareness around the type of power we typically lean on, whether that be maiden, mother crone, or something else, can help us to find more balance as a leader, both in our professional and personal lives. Finding female mentors can help women to find their own leadership style. Women don't have to rely on the way things have been done before. We can create our own leadership style and empower other women to do the same. For more information about Yuri and Faith's work, do check out crrglobal.com. That's a wrap for season three. It's been a real privilege hosting the most international season to date. And I can't thank you enough for your continued support of the podcast. As we look forward to season four, we want to hear from you as you are an essential part of our system. So please do let us know what you'd like to hear about and what guests you'd love to see on season four. In the meantime, if you know of anyone you think might benefit from the podcast, please do share and subscribe so that we can further spread the word that relationship matters from humanity to nature to the larger whole. Thank you, take care, and see you back here for season four. For over 18 years, CRR Global has accompanied leaders, teams, and practitioners on their journey to build stronger relationships by focusing on the relationship itself, not only the individuals occupying it. This leads to a community of change makers around the world. Supported by a global network of faculty and partners, we connect, inspire, and equip change agents to shift systems one relationship at a time. 
We believe relationship matters, from humanity to nature to the larger whole.